we now welcome on my man, uh, Trevor Pretty, the men's basketball coach here at Trinity Western University. Trevor, how are we doing? I'm really good, man. Thanks for having me, Tyler. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, we uh, we have recorded a podcast together before when uh, I had him on the Mars Hill Sports Podcast, which is my podcast. Um, so, Trevor... I, I hope you chill on the Dennis Rodman stories this time <laughs> and uh, let's, let's, uh, let's keep it focused on TW men's basketball, which I'm really excited about. So everyone's going to think this is a pretty racy Dennis Rodman story. Now I love it. <laughs> everyone's mind's going to be going where, where the heck is it? What's, what's this Dennis Rodman story now? I mean, Don't worry, it's just a story about me and Dennis Rodman in Las Vegas together. If you want to hear it, you got to tune into the Mars Hill podcast. Exactly. You can go find that. Anyways, um, Trevor, we're going to get right into this. You came into a very challenging situation and an overall struggling program. So what are like some of the first things you noticed that you wanted to change coming from Raptors 905 as you were an assistant coach there? Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> it's, it's funny you mentioned that. I mean, I remember when I got the job and, and Howard, Howard did a story and there was one in the province and the headline said the, the toughest rebuild in Canadian hoops. And I was like, wow, I, maybe I should have thought about this job a little harder. But no, it, uh, it, it was exciting to me. Like the opportunity to come and build something is exciting. And, and I definitely think there's a lot of potential to build something special at, at, at Trinity. So, I mean, the, you know, I never really looked at the challenge. I just kind of looked at the, I'm a pretty positive guy and optimistic guy. So you know, I, I was excited about the challenge to build something and, and just really hopeful that we could. Um, I, I knew it wouldn't be a quick fix. You know, like in my mind, it was kind of a three to five year plan. So, I, I mean, the, the first real thing I wanted to come in was just kind of come in and bring hope to the guys and, and just start to start, start to build a culture. And, you know, like culture is such a buzzword that, uh, that's used in, in sports so often. Right. But it's going to come in and start to <clears throat> start to uh, start to kind of get guys to buy in and, and see kind of my plan for this program and, and get guys hopeful for what we could build and, and what we could do here at Trinity Western. Right. So you did mention team culture and team culture is just like something that coaches always talk about, especially university coaches where you have so many different people, coming in and out right mm. so what constitutes good team culture in your eyes yeah i mean i i think for us like i mean if, if you look at our kind of our, our our team pillars um the first thing for us is relationships right that, that that's kind of the number one thing for us and, and i think for me when, when i build a team the staff i want i want i want coaches who can you know who can connect with players and, and we can have this relationship with our players and, and, you know, a close group in the locker room and a close group. And I, and I think everybody wants to say like, you know, we, we want to be a close group and have everyone buy in together and, you know, be a together unit and be a family. But for us, it's something that's like, we take really seriously. Like, you know, I'll, I'll hop on calls with my players all the time. I'll sit down and talk to them every day. Right. Like I, I spend as much time talking to my players than I think any coach in the country. And our, our staff does the same thing, right? Like, you know, we'll, we'll watch film with our players. We'll send them clips. We'll check in with them. We'll see how they're doing. We'll spend a lot of one-on-one -on -one time in workouts. And, and, you know, I, I think building a staff was finding guys who kind of fit that mold was really important to me. 
And, and in my first year, I got the job a little bit late. So it was tough, but like, you know, this past year, bringing in two really good young coaches uh, in Josiah Mepelink and Ali Nerderim, who kind of helped fit that mold. And then Joel Ashby, who's, who's my best friend and uh, someone who, you know, when I got the job, he was, my, you know, my first phone call. He, he's, he excels in that too. So, you know, one of the first things for us to kind of build our culture is, uh, is just the relationships with the guys. Um, so, so that's been a huge part of it. And, and, and it's not something we're going to rush. It, it's just something that kind of happens organically and, and kind of bringing in the right pieces, having guys, you know, connect and, and, and want to come in and work together and put all this time in together. Right. So, I mean, the, the relationships was, uh, was a big piece for us. Yeah, I can, I can see that being super important. And I know you're someone, like you said, like you, you talk with your guys all the time. And I think that's super important. So when it comes to different guys and all of these different backgrounds they're coming from, you being a player's coach, because I would say it is, it's safe to say that you're a player's coach, but uh, like, what does that look like you interacting one-on-one with these guys like what what's that relationship like yeah I just think it's getting to know the guys just kind of getting to know what motivates them knowing what ticks kind of understanding what their uh what their goals are um you know just kind of figuring them out a little bit you know I, I like to check in and see how they're doing to kind of get to know them on a pretty you know on a deeper level which is which is you know like the relationships you know the bottom line I feel like it's kind of the vehicle that you know that that kind of drives all of our values and everything that flows out of it so I mean, we just kind of spend, you know, a lot of time is getting to know the guys and for me to sit down and have a conversation, see how they're doing in school, see how they're doing in life, you know, I sit down and watch film with them on Zoom and kind of see, man, I think you could do really well in this action. I could see you fitting in here, you know, like kind of having ideas and, you know, like sending them clips. A lot of the guys love that and just kind of, you know, spending some time trying to fix little things in their game or ideas for them. So, I mean, it, it, it really like, you know, this year has been a little more difficult, but I love to sit down and go for lunch with the guys. Like I'll make a, you know, I'll make a point to sit down and have a meal with most of the guys throughout the year at some point. We'll do player coach meetings a couple of times a year and just kind of see how they're doing. And just, you know, to me, figuring out kind of what makes them tick and uh, you know, what motivates them and just kind of let them know how they're doing and what they need to do. And, you know, like I, I think the bottom line for coaching is, I mean, it, it's uh it's so important to have control of your team. And, and I mean that in the you know most positive way. And, and, and I think how you get control of your team, there's a number of ways to do it, right? Like some coaches do it out of intimidation, fear. And, and I think, you know, through the relationships we have and through the, you know, these guys know I generally care about them and want them to do well. Um, I think it just kind of helps you know, them buy in and then kind of buy into what we're doing. Right. So, like you being like, in a sense, such a good friend with each of your guys, how does that correlate with like development? And as, in a sense, like laying down the law at times, because you see in so many sports and so many different like coaches in basketball too, you hear about like these guys who are just like drill sergeants. So like, what is, what does that look like for you when you're trying to develop these guys and create not only good culture, but a good basketball team? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, using the word friend is kind of, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm, you know, trying to have a friendship with them. Obviously, there's a relationship there, but there, there has to be a, you know, there, there has to be a way things are done. 
And there has to be, you know, you ha- there has to be demands. There has to be discipline. There has to be expectations, right? Like, like these things are the key for us, right? And, and I think, you know, when, when, I, when I get after guys or I yell at them or I'm upset with them, it's, it, it's not a demeaning way. It, it's, in a, in, it's in a way that, you know, I just need them to be better because we need this this way. You know, there's certain things I'm really demanding about. And there's certain things that I have to have done my way, right? And, and you know, you, you can't win every battle as a coach. You know, I, I can't lose my mind about everything. There can't be a million things. I mean, I know some coaches that do that. You know, they have all these demands on this and that. But, you know, there's certain things that I won't budge on. And, you know, these are my things that need to be done my way. And then there's certain things I'm a little more lenient on that other coaches maybe aren't, right? Like, you know, if a guy comes to practice and his practice jersey isn't tucked in, some coaches will lose their mind. Or, you know, there's certain things that some coaches will drive them crazy but there's certain battles that I'm willing to let slide a little more than others. And there's certain battles I, I have to win because things have to be done my way. So, you know, I just kind of pick the battles and you just kind of, you know, when you have these meetings with guys, they just need to know, like, these are the expectations. I mean, we've talked about discipline a lot this year. And I, you know, like the, the, there's, there's self-discipline where some guys can do themselves. There's some guys that need to be disciplined. And then, you know, one way or the other, you're going to get disciplined, whether it's through life, whether it's through, you know, yourself, but, you know, you're going to end up getting disciplined. So shifting gears a little bit into the actual like basketball stuff now we're talking about you coming from as an assistant coach with the Raptors 905, you are coming from the best development program probably in the NBA. And that's not an understatement. Think about all the random dudes, or at least we thought they were random. And now we have like the Fred Van Vliet's running around on the court, making 82 million for good reason. Mm -hmm. That development system is crazy. Mm -hmm. What is that? How does that translate to TWU basketball? Because obviously that's a huge part about rebuilding a program. Yeah. I mean, I I think one of the things I look for in recruits is, is guys who love the game. I want to find guys who, who love the game. And I mean, you, you know, you don't have to go to sleep with your basketball every single night. You know, you don't have to be, you know, you don't, have to, you, you just have to, you know, want to work, want to get better, have aspirations and have goals. Right. So I, I want guys who want to put in the time and want to work. And, and we've done a good job now of trying to find these guys in the recruiting process. And, and once again, I try to find a staff of guys who have the same view as I do and who think, you know what, like we talk about it, man, you, you have five years to get, you know, to play youth sports basketball. And if you can put in a lot of time and have coaches who have a plan of what they want to do in development, and we, you know, we have a plan for players, we have, you know, we see this guy fitting in this role and the plan looks like this. Here's the blueprint of how you reach that plan. We think, you know, in five years, you have an opportunity to put in a lot of time. And the guys have done that this year. The guys have worked really hard, right? And and my assistant coaches have been incredible. They put in so much time with these guys and you know, the guys come in every day. Some guys come in two times a day. Some guys put in three, four hours every day and they're working on skills, right? So, I mean, I think that kind of just develops in the culture. Like when you have a guy like Q, who's our best player and he's our harding, hardest working guy, uh, other guys kind of follow that. So he's helped build that culture. It just kind of happens organically, right? Like, hey, we, we have a culture now where guys know we take basketball seriously in the sense that, you know, we work hard. We put a lot of time in player development we value these skills. So now like, you know, Q does it. So other guys kind of follow, right. I mean, here we are now in April 8th and, you know, 
almost all of our guys that are in town right now, they're coming in every day, uh, coming every day working, right? Like putting up shots still and they haven't, you know, they're still kind of going. So that's kind of just organically happened, that culture of hard work and player development. But um, I just think it's finding the right guys who want to win, who want to work hard, who want to get better. You know, like I, I say to the guys, you know, it's not the time you put in the gym. It's what you put in that time. So, you know, some guys will, some guys will come in the gym and put in three hours and not, not get a ton out of it. But some guys will put in 45 minutes and come in and really get a lot out of it. So just coming into the gym with a plan, coming into the gym organized and ready to work. And I think, you know, we're starting to really build that here. That's awesome to hear. Um, now a little bit more on like, actually, sorry, I'm going to edit that out. Um, give me a second, just pausing. Okay. So speaking of Q, Q led your team to one of the highest paced offenses actually maybe the highest paced offense in the country last year. And also just an electric team to watch. Now I know the record was not exactly what any university program would want it to be, but you guys were rebuilding. It's quite excusable in that sense. Tell us like, why do you, why are you drawn to that kind of style of offense? Yeah. I mean, he was, uh, he was a big part of our kind of electric fast pace. We did have the fastest pace offense in the country and he was a big part of that but uh, like you know we run a really organized system and all the guys played a role in that even when q went down we, we were still able to keep up a really like a, you know an electric pace it wasn't just him but he fits into our system and, and it was awesome luxury to have and um yeah i i think you know my, my style of play is always aggressive it's always fast um i kind of got drawn into that style early and for some reason like as soon as I kind of started to get into coaching, you know, I had some coaching mentors who were kind of into the transition stuff and I was coaching high school. I just knew this is going to be kind of my identity and this is going to be how I want to do it. So I kind of reached out to a lot of coaches um, and just started looking up a lot of transition stuff and fooling around with it and kind of developing my own system and stealing from, you know, stealing from this guy and stealing from this guy and, you know, emailing some of the, some of the coaches who I thought were the best at doing it. And, and I kind of knew early on, I wanted this to be, this to be my calling card. I wanted to be the best transition coach. I wanted to be the fastest paced team. And, and this is kind of, you know, when I talk about things, I won't budge on. This is one of the things that it's really important to me. And, you know, we play fast together and tough, fearless, and, um, you know, have a lot of fun doing it. Right. And we run a really organized system and it takes everyone to kind of buy in and, and yeah, it's been, you know, I think putting in that system was fun for the guys. And I think, you know, like you mentioned, we didn't have a really successful year with wins losses, but I think how you measure success is important for us. And I didn't go into that year saying we're going to measure success by how many wins we got that year. Cause I knew it wasn't going to be a fantastic year. I didn't come in saying, you know, man, this is going to be a year where we win 15 games. Like for me, you know, like at the start of the year, you know, you want to look at your schedule and take a look at who you play. And, and, you know, you can probably get a rough idea of some of the games you should win, some of the games you shouldn't, some of the games you should be. It's just kind of based on your talent in the league. So, you know, like if you look, I looked at our schedule at the start of the year last year, and we had a tough schedule. 
and like, you know, Alberta, Calgary, UBC, Saskatchewan, Victoria. I'm like, we're not beating these teams. Like we're not talented enough. You know, I had, you know, the job in May and I'm, I have six players trying to recruit guys and put together this team as fast as I can coming off. And like, you know, three years of not winning a game. Right. So then we're coming in and, and I knew measuring wins wasn't going to be the measuring stick of success, but man, every coach we played, they always said like, man, you guys were tough to play. Like they all knew they played us when we, they knew they were in a game, right. They had to prepare for us. You know, they, they felt us attacking them every game. They, they knew they're in for a game. They had to play for 40 minutes because they knew we were going to come at them for 40 minutes. Um, the guys played hard right to the last game of the season, no matter what obstacles adversity we hit, the guys kept working and playing hard. Um, we were by net rating. We were, I had the net rating for the year. We were, we were top five. We might've been the second most improved team or third in the country by a point differential. We had a way tougher schedule. So like by net rating, um, you know, offensively, we went from the worst offense in the country to one of the better, the fastest pace in the country. And, and a lot of the offensive stuff we wanted to put in, we did. And um, we kind of built an identity. And right after the season, the guys wanted to keep working hard. They were motivated. Um, right to the end of the season they're motivated right through the off season that's carried over to this year and the guys are excited about next year so obviously this was a tough year to have because i thought we had some momentum and we were excited to see kind of what this year looked like but um you know we were able to kind of pivot a little bit and use this as a really good development year and and and, and overall i think this was a great year for us like a really good year for us and, and next year now i'm excited to see kind of what we can put together and hopefully keep building up that momentum and and see what we can do. Would you consider what your team plays small ball? I know like sometimes last year, your biggest, mm -hmm. like your big, the biggest guy on the court for you was like Adam Gehrig and he's what, like six, seven. So like six, five. You could, six, five. Yeah. Oh yeah. So like you could be squaring off against a team that has like starters that are all like six, six plus. So like, would you consider what you guys did a little bit small ball last year? Um, yeah, I think so. Like it wasn't my intention to come in and say, we're going to play small ball. It was just my intention to put the guys that I like their skill sets and I value decision-making shooting, you know, getting into the paint's big for me. Like, can you get into the paint is one of the biggest things for me to look at recruits. And, you know, there's a few things I look at, but getting into the paint it, it, it is a big thing, right? It's kind of like, you know, money ball. Can you get on base? Whatever they look at, right. For me, it's, can you get in the paint? And, um, and I think it was just kind of finding the right pieces that fit into what I wanted to do. And we didn't have a lot of options last year. I mean, if I could find a really good seven footer, I'd love to. So if anyone's listening and they're a really good seven footer, hit me up, send me an email. But um, you just kind of got to make use of what you have and kind of fit guys in different positions. And, you know, some guys have to play a little bigger than they are, which is, you know, tough for them at times, but, you know, all the guys buy in and do what we ask and they're all awesome. But, it's just kind of making the most of what we have. And, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid to play small ball. I'm not afraid to try different things. I think I'm a creative coach and I like to think outside the box. And, and, you know, like if I have to try something new, I'm more than happy to do it. And um, if playing small is it, then great. Um, you know, this year we may end up doing it again. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, no, I, I definitely, you know, there's times when we will play small ball and there's times that, you know, if I had a really good seven footer, I wouldn't play small ball. <laughs> so just kind of taking what we have on the court and making it work. Right. And I think that's like a really good point that you make. Like a part of good coaching is utilizing your player strengths. Right. So 
And I, that's what I see is a little bit of a problem with the way modern day basketball is being played, especially in the NBA. I feel like you're seeing a lot of teams try to force the small ball kind of thing. When in reality, it was like Golden State and Houston were really the only two teams who did it right for a while there. So I think that's, I think that's just like the best, in a sense, route to take as a coach of a, a young university team where guys are probably like recruits are probably seeing the style that you play. And they're probably like, this looks fun. Like, I feel like that, that might be one of the be- like best parts of the rebuild. Like there's a, an excitement around it. And that's why guys are also willing to work too. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and, and I think like, you know, like you make a point with the NBA, I think a lot of people get caught up in the analytics world. Right. And, and they kind of just think like, okay, you know, shooting threes is good and playing small had success. But like you said, you have to have the right pieces. It, it's just not as cut and dry as that. Right. So, I mean, there, there's a lot that goes into it and, you know, kind of what you get is what you have to work with. And in university, you're lucky because you can recruit pieces you want. So, when I want to try to find someone who fits in my system. And now I have a little more time now that I'm kind of getting more established here and been here a little longer than when I go and recruit, I can look for pieces that I think fit into what I want to do because, because we do run a system, right? Like we, we have a system and style of play that I, that we play. It's our identity, right? So when I look for players, I need to find guys who fit that. And, you know. mm-hmm. Would you say that switchable defenders for anyone who doesn't know what a switchable defender is, it is someone who can guard multiple positions off of a scenario where guys need to switch defending players. Uh, would you say switchable guys are a little bit more desirable in your system? Yeah. I mean, I, I think switchable guys are, are, are more desirable in, in basketball right now. And I think every team would love a bunch of six, seven long skilled guys who can guard multiple positions and drive, kick, pass, shoot. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, the NBA and obviously basketball is going, is going very skilled and, you know, kind of winning the three-point line. If you can play in the three-point line, you can guard in the three-point line, you're in pretty good shape, right? So, I mean, if you got a bunch of guys who can defend guys in the perimeter and then play in the perimeter, you're in really good shape. And, and switching is obviously something that, that is really, you know, an effective, you know, strategy in, in, in basketball and something a lot of teams do right now. And, you know, I think there's a lot of different coverages you can use in different situations, but switching is definitely something depending on matchups, depending on who you're playing is something that's, that's valuable and something we like to do. But, you know, once again, it's just kind of personnel driven and a lot goes into who we have guarding those actions and who we're guarding in those actions. But, but it's definitely something that we, that we like and something that's valuable in basketball right now. What, what does all of this mean for like the traditional big men in your eyes? Because we've seen basketball basically eradicate the Roy Hibberts and the Kendrick Perkins of the NBA what about like for like university teams? Like, is there just going to be like, is there still space for those kind of guys? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's funny because I think a lot of people want to emulate the NBA. Right. And I think in the NBA, you don't see as much big guys. And if you watch college basketball, you'll, you'll see a lot more post players and a lot more big guys and probably watching NCAA is more, more realistic for the level of play we're at. And, and probably more, you know, it's probably, you know, it's a college game and, in college, the big guy is still, you know, still very prevalent and still very useful. 
obviously, you know, you watch Gonzaga with Timmy or you watch, you know, there's a number of different players I could use. Luka Garza, a number of different guys, but, you know, most teams have a big guy that they throw the ball into. You know, you watch NCAA basketball, the ball goes in the post a lot. And Baylor's a little bit of an exception to that. And then they've got like a more of an NBA kind of roster and talent and really good, really athletic guards and wings and kind of, you know, like they got three guys who are just NBA body athlete kind of guys. But, you know, the college game, the post is still very useful and you still see it a lot. In the NBA game, it's obviously, you know, gone away from it and maybe it comes back. I think it probably will one day. But, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, there's certain things I look for in, in, in a big man. And, and you know, if we had a guy to throw the ball in the post to and attack switches and seal and open up the court a little bit for our shooters and, you know, use the post as kind of a playmaking opportunity to create more offense and pass out of, and score out of then, then I'd be happy, but I mean it, it, it's hard to find good uh, good big guys in Canada. A lot. I mean, if you're a really good big guy, you're probably going to the states, or or else you're probably going to you know it, it's tough for us to get them at this point. But um, no, I'm definitely looking, and and it would be nice to have a big post presence. And I think to answer your question, in the, in the NBA, yes, they they've gone away from the traditional post player, but I think you know in FIBA basketball. In college basketball, the post player is still very much alive and well. So it's just kind of what, you know, what you watch. And a lot, a lot of people want to steal from the NBA. And I think at some some points it's kind of unrealistic. But there's definitely some good stuff you can take. After your time at TWU is all said and done, what is the legacy that you want to leave? Like, what do you want guys who played on your team, students who came to games? other coaches you worked with what do you what do you want the Trevor Pretty legacy to look like yeah I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure I mean I, I think for me I know I said said at some point like I want to walk into the LEC and see a path like when I see when I see people sitting in the top row I know I'm doing a good job and and I know I know we're doing what I want to do so you know when I walk in the gym and I see it packed I'm happy I I know we're doing what we want to do you know like, as far as a basketball standpoint you know I you know, I have said before, I want to walk into that LEC and see the top row packed. And, and, and then I know we're doing a good job and we're doing what I want to do as far as basketball. Um, man, with the players, I, like I said, like the, the you know, the kind of the driving force and number one pillar for us is relationships, right? And, and I think, you know, last year was my first year and I've had a couple of graduated players. I still keep in contact with them. I like them to be part of the program still. You know, I, I want these guys to come to Trinity and, and I want to, obviously I want to give them a really good basketball experience. Like when someone comes here, um, I take it really seriously, but more important than that, I want to give them a good foundation for their life, which is, you know, which is the key for me. Can you come here and get a really good foundation for your life? Can you graduate? And can you have a really fun, good basketball experience? You know, that's kind of what I think about when I, when I, when I bring in recruits. You know, and, and I think if they leave and they don't have a good foundation for their life, then I probably failed them in that department. You know, if they're not going to graduate, I feel like I let them down. And, and if they have a poor basketball experience, I'll feel really guilty for that. You know, I, I want these guys, like I genuinely care about the experience they have. And those are kind of the three things that I, uh, that, that I think about when I bring in these guys. And I, and I hope they all have when, uh, when they leave this program. And I hope, you know, I hope they all become, you know, obviously good fathers, good husbands. And I hope, you know, I'm, kind of stay in contact with them, part of the program. And, you know, like that, that's kind of my hope. And 
like I said, the basketball, I want to walk in the LEC, look at the top row and see people in the seats. And in five years, if I walk in there, people are in the seats and I feel like I probably haven't done the job I hope to do. And I'm disappointed. You've talked a lot about the importance of relationships and most importantly, like relationships within the team. Like that's good team chemistry is the most important thing you can have if you want to win games, right? And so like, how do you try to foster that? Because in a sense, there are times where you feel like you might have to like coax that out of your guys. Um, Like, how do you do that on a roster of like, 18 to 23 year old dudes who also have like <laughs> egos and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, there's definitely, uh, there's definitely fires that you kind of, you're kind of aware of, right. And you kind of think about stuff like, man, I can see a potential fire here. You know, like we got to just kind of keep an eye on this, you know, like you got to talk to your staff lots. It's kind of be aware of your team and what's going on. You have to have a certain level of awareness and, and try to know what's going on with your team. Right. Like, obviously, it's not easy and it's not all happy and everyone's singing kumbaya every day in the locker room. Right. You're going to have bumps and you just kind of got to be able to weather those storms and, uh, and, and, and just try to, you know, have, have a really good sense of, of, uh, of what's going on. Right. I mean, you know, we, we can use all these, you know, like, you know, we, we talk a lot about, you know, you know, humility and not having, you know, swallowing your pride, being able to take criticism. We talk a lot about it. Like, to, you know, like, can you take, can you accept criticism, right? Can you accept this stuff, right? Being selfless, like, you know, there's a lot of different things that come out of this, but, you know, there's, there's, there's just certain standards and expectations that we try to hold our guys to. And they, they you know, they kind of know the things that, you know, that, you know, the, like our pillars and they kind of know what it, you know, what that looks like. So, you know, like as far as, relationships are a big one energy is a big one for me right like you know like our our pillars are kind of faith hope and love like those are our three pillars and and that comes down to you know you know relationships um and 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 energy and you know like we we talk a lot about hope right like this is where the energy comes from you know you know we're hopeful for a positive outcome We're, we're hopeful that the work we do you know the the positive outcome will happen as a result of what we're doing right like you know we you know we bring positive energy you can see that you know we're you know if we're doing some we're working in the super hot gym all summer right like it makes you tougher you know like we do these drills and all this running you know this is going to help us have a successful season right like people like you know at the end of our season we went you know this summer after we go two and 18 guys are like oh we're going to be people are going to be shocked when they see how hard we're working like, you know, guys are really hopeful and excited about what's going to come, right? So, you know, we, we just have expectations that the guys kind of know and you just kind of hope you weather those storms and hope you bring in good dudes and and just, you know, sometimes you're going to hit issues and stuff and hope you can get through them with your culture. You hope, you know, you've built a strong enough foundation that you can make it through these things. 100%. I think it, it is really cool seeing, because I've seen both sides of the TW basketball pre-Trevor, pretty and post-Trevor. So uh, it's been it's been really cool seeing the growth and the hope uh, for like all of us. Like I think students as well, like are seeing this development and this like love and passion for the game, and that's infectious. And 
for basketball being such a growing sport, I think it is really cool seeing you as the head of the team be someone who is like inspiring and activating that in in his guys. So, uh, Trevor, it's it's been an absolute pleasure having you on as as always. Uh, great talking to you, man. And uh, yeah, we're we're gonna have to we're gonna have to chat again sometime soon. Yeah, no, I, no, I really appreciate it. And like, just just on an end note here, I, I I don't know if a lot of students listen to this or who kind of the audience is, but man, for all the fans that come out, like we're super thankful, and like can't wait to get back in the gym. Like the highlight for almost everyone on our team was our two wins against McEwen at, at the Anderson, and just having like a packed crowd, and 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 that was honestly that was the highlight of all of our seasons. And it wasn't even about the wins. Like the wins were amazing and so fun to do, but like, man, looking in the crowd and seeing all the students up there and having the best fans in the country, like that was so awesome. So, you know, we hope we can put on a fun show for the, for that, you know, for the students and the fans and, and like having people come out and support us is huge. And, and I think it's a big advantage of what we have at Trinity with the community here. And I think we have a really good fan base. So, Hopefully people get on board and, you know, they tuned in for our skills contest, which is really cool and, and just kind of, you know, stay excited for, for what we're going to do. And hopefully we get to see all you guys out there. And, you know, I love to meet, you know, if anyone ever wants to come say hi to me I'm around campus, love to get to know all the fans and students. So I really appreciate you guys and guys like Tyler for doing this and, and just kind of building the platform and helping grow, uh, grow athletics at Trinity. So yeah, I appreciate you having me on and, and super thankful for, uh, for the community of Trinity and all the fans and everyone kind of tuning in for this. So thank you guys. No, thank you. And uh, yeah, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Sparta podcast. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you, Trevor. Mm-hmm.